Last week, we, uh, we opened up with this question that how many want to please God and everybody raised their hand. And then I asked the second question. I said, how many do you, do you think that are pleasing God? And about half of you raised your hand. So I'm going to ask you again today. How many are pleasing God today? Let me see your hand. Oh, you listened to the message last week. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. And we said this. You need to get this in your heart that if you are born again, you're pleasing God. No matter what's going on, no matter what issues you're facing, no matter what's going on in your life, what battle you're going through, you are pleasing to God. And we said Ephesians 1.6 uh, is the testimony of this. It says, so that the tremendous grace that cascades over us would bring him glory. For the same love he has for his beloved one, Jesus, the same love that he has for Jesus, he has for us. The same love. So what does that say? It says that God loves you the same as he loves Jesus. Wow. So ask yourself this question. Does Jesus please the Father? Yes, he does. How often does Jesus please the Father? All the time. And Jesus is living in you today, so you are pleasing to the Father. That's good news. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty nine. we talked about this. It says, Jesus said to take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. So we need to learn from Jesus. He said, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest, not stress or strife or anything, but rest for your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is, everybody say it, easy and my burden is light. So anything that you're doing for God, if it's not easy and it's not light to you, then you can rest assured that there's been a grace disconnect because the grace that God has placed inside of you is that look at just the life of Jesus. Everything that he did, everything, even when he was sweating drops of, of blood in the garden of the Gethsemane, he sit there and he said, he talked to God and said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, uh, in other words, if there's another way to do this, let's do this because he knew what was going to be done. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now, was it easy for Jesus to do all this? No. Did he have grace to do it? Yes. Absolutely. How can anybody be hanging on the cross and say with all of his heart, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? That's not normal thinking talking. That's not human intellect talking. What is talking? The grace that was in Jesus. That's what was talking. And the good news is God gave Jesus grace to do everything. But he didn't just give it to him. He gave it to everybody that is born again. Paul, he was snake bit. He was shipwrecked, spent a day and a night in the water, spent two years in prison. And this is, was not prison where you get HBO and three meals a day. This is prison where you could die. He spent two years like that. And yet, his testimony in all of these things, snake bit, stone, he died, was resurrected. 
People hated him everywhere he went. He had revival and riot. People wanted to kill him. People wanted to praise God everywhere he went. And yet his testimony was, in all of these things, God has delivered me. Everything he said, God. He said, thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. Thanks be to God who's made me more than a conqueror. That was his testimony. How can someone say this and get up? I mean, when he got stoned, they, they threw rocks and killed him. He, they prayed for him. He was resurrected. The next day, he comes back into the city. The same people that killed him, he comes back into the city and goes, how y'all doing? <laughs> I, I want to watch that video just to see their expression when you get to heaven. <laughs> their mouths, you're alive. Yeah, yeah. Most people wouldn't be able to face that. Most people wouldn't want to go back in there. But he understood and had a revelation of the grace of God that was in him. I don't know about you, but I want to have a greater revelation. How about you? Oh, man, I tell you what, that means you can, there is nothing. There is nothing that the devil can throw in front of you or that you may face that the grace of God will not cause you to go around, go through, or go above it. Somehow you're getting on, on the other side. That is the goodness of God. I just love that song we sang today. God is the one who causes darkness to tremble. The devil is the one who's trembling today. He's trying to deceive people and to think and give them fear and to make them tremble. But if you could take a snapshot of him today, when you show up, when any believer shows up, the trembling is all on him. He's the one who is in fear. Amen. John 15, 5 says this. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever lives in me and I in him bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union for me, you can do nothing. Now, in the way that he was saying that, you can do things, but it'll be on your own strength. Do you realize God doesn't want us doing anything in our own strength? Anything. You know, that's why I think uh, for America, you know, we're so independent nation. We want to be independent. We're self-made men and women. We're self-this, and we just, we can do this all our own. Then you get born again, and you realize, I need to trust him. I need to rely upon him. It's him that works through me. I died so that he could live through me. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it's not I that liveth. It is Christ in me. And the faith that I now live by, it's not my faith. It's his faith. It's his faith. Even believing God is not up to you. It's up to the faith. It's whether or not you're going to believe that you have it, of course. It's not, I have to get the faith. I've been given the faith. I've been given it. It's just what you believe. And what we said, you'll never live above what you believe. You will never live above what you believe. If you believe God doesn't want you to be successful, you won't be successful. And it won't be because of him. If you don't believe that God wants you to be prosperous and be in health, it won't be because of him withholding it. It'll be because that's what you believe. So we're teaching you truth today so your belief can come up higher. Can you say amen? Because listen, God is most glorified in us. He's most glorified in us when we are more or most satisfied in him. Let me say, explain what I mean. 
God gets glory when you experience and manifest the goodness of God. So that's why the devil comes into the churches and through a religious field and say, it's God's will for you to be sick because you, you're going to bring him glory in, in being sick. It's, it's religion that has taught people that it's God's will for you to be poor. And, and you know, it's just, that's true humility to be poor. And so you'll bring glory to him. It's God's will for you to live a defeated life because you'll bring glory to him. You just have to be messed up to believe that. I'm sorry, I should sugarcoat it a little better, but I said a word I, I shouldn't say the first service, so I'm doing better. But, um, but this is the thing. We're just, people are deceived in believing things like that, and they truly don't believe it because if you thought you brought glory in being sick, why are you going to the doctor to get well? Just a little common sense there. You're taking medication. I thought you were bringing glory to God. You should flush that down the toilet and just really glorify God. Just really be sick and woo. Just take it to another level. So you can really bring glory. We don't really believe that. The devil has deceived people into believing that. But you will never bring glory to God in sickness or poverty or defeat. Never. The devil knows that. It's time the church realized that. Can I get an amen? amen? Now, granted, if you're struggling with sickness, if you're struggling and with finances, if you're struggling in any area of your life where you feel defeated, there's no condemnation. You're at the right place at the right time and that you're going to grow. And I'm growing in all of these areas. I haven't arrived, but man, I'm growing. I have left the port of sickness. I have left the port of poverty. I have left the port of defeat. And I'm traveling with Jesus, having revelation, and my eyes opened up that it's God's will that he wants me to walk in health. It's God's will that he wants me to walk in his wealth. It's God's will that he wants me to walk in his victory. Can I get an amen? amen. It's his will. So I'm learning. Oh, I'm learning. I'm telling you. He never gets glory out of this defeated mentality. And plus, let's just be honest. How many people in the world, if you're going to have that kind of a testimony, will they want to come and join up to the church? No wonder people staying away from the church. You know, when people say, well, I'm just giving glory to God. You know, I thought you had cancer. I do. I'm just giving glory to him. You know, and our church has just been such a blessing. <laughs> I'm staying away. I don't need that kind of blessing. It's a lie. But God... Your father wants to help you in every area of your life. In 1 Chronicles 15, 26, it's a, it's a scripture that uh, may not get much recognition, much attention, but it says this, and so it was when God helped the Levites. Everybody say helped. He helped the Levites who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. So they did a tremendous... The, Levitical priesthood were the only ones, they were the only ones that could carry the ark. It was a, a legal thing. They were under the law. They were the only ones that could carry the ark. And the Bible says, God help the Levites. Now, if you just read that, you say, oh, well, what did he help them? Well, 
who bore the ark. The ark of the covenant was uh, a, a shadow of really everything that Jesus is. It's the power of God, the presence of God. That's what the ark represented. It represented Jesus, actually. Everything that God was, it was uh, the ark represented that. And the ark had two long poles and uh, four guys would carry it. Four Levitical priests would carry this ark. And so we got a picture of it there, a couple of pictures. Uh, I have researched and researched to try to figure out how much this thing weighs. And uh, depending on which theologian, which, I mean, it's anywhere from uh, one uh, Jewish uh, theologian said anywhere from close to 200 pounds to several thousand pounds. So I just thought, well, I'm not for sure how much it weighs. But then I thought this, even if it weighs 200 pounds, they had to carry this thing for miles. Have you ever carried a 35-pound backpack, you know, for... You think, oh, this isn't bad, the first 100 yards. <laughs> but if you're going on a several-mile trip, I mean, after a while, 35, you're leaning over, and you're hanging on to people, and you're leaning, your back's hurting, and you just think, it's just 35 pounds, and it feels like 35 tons after about five miles, unless you're Nathan. But in me, most people, most common people, it gets heavy. So I thought about that with this ark. After miles and miles of carrying this, I mean, you're holding on to the pole. I mean, it's like <laughs> you're, you're just, <laughs> man. But how many know that is not how it went down? That scripture said God helped the Levites who bore the ark. What did he help them do? Carry it. He helped them carry it. So I believe when they grabbed hold of that pole and they lifted it up, they got lifted up. They was kind of like, whoa, it's almost carrying me. I believe the ark was literally carrying them. They were, it's just like, you know, if you ever, had, just, it's just like, ooh, this is light. Not only did he help them, I believe he empowered them. They could have did that. Miles, the, when they traveled, they weren't waiting on the priests. I believe the priests were waiting on them. Hey, you guys coming? Hey. Let's go. God helped them. He helped them. I wonder if he would help us in anything that we're doing on this planet. Mm. You can rest assured that he helps us in everything that we do. And if you feel like it's heavy, if you feel like I just can't keep going like this, then there's been a grace disconnect that we talked about last week. Because his burden is easy and light. It's not heavy. Even the Ark of the Covenant became light to the Levitical priests that were carrying it. This is the story that you and I need to grasp a hold of. Everything that God wants you and I to do. Everything. And I'm not just talking about preaching behind the pulpit. I'm talking about anything. If you're a school teacher, if you're teaching your kids, if you're married... You're going to need help. And God wants to make sure that you're not relying on your own strength or your own might. You know, we're independent people. We can do this. God will let you do it. I said God will let you do it. But if you're relying 
trusting him. It's a trust thing. I'm going to trust God's going to help me. I'm going to trust God to open up the doors for me to get a better job. I'm going to trust God for my marriage to be better. I'm going to trust God in Jesus' name to have a better life. I'm going to trust God. It's a trust thing. The attitude of independence, it'll give birth to sin. But a reliance upon God will cause the grace that he's put within us to just be manifested on the outside. Can you say amen? Amen. As soon as Jesus, well, let me just back up. His very last supper, the last supper, you can see pictures of it. You read stories about it. But in John chapter 13, this was going to be the last supper that Jesus would have with his disciples. So he sits there and he says in verse 3, John, did I say Genesis? Okay, good. John, John, there is a fly that needs to die. John chapter 13, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Let's stop right there. Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return from God. Jesus knew where he came from, knew what his life was all about, and he knew the Father. Now, that is the foundation for these next coming scriptures. Are you getting that? Verse 4, so he got up from the table, he took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around them, around him. So here's the creator of all things, Jesus, the Lord of lords and the King of kings, who's going to wash dirty, stinking feet. He's even going to wash the feet of the one who's going to betray him, Judas. He washed all 12 disciples' feet, including Judas. How or why would somebody do that? The grace that was upon his life is because he knew the Father. He knew that God loved him. He knew that he came from God. Everything was about his Father, and his Father was in him. He was one with the Father. He told his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're one. We're one. So you could say this. It wasn't just Jesus the Son washing feet. It was God the Father washing feet. How is that? Why is that? Why did he do that? You have to first understand Jewish culture. Jewish culture is the slave or the servant, the lowest position in the house, That was their job to do that. The lowest person. That that was their responsibility. That's why Peter said that, hey, no, I'm not, no, no, you're not washing my feet. And Jesus said, you don't understand what's going on. Because the grace that is in me, the love that is in me, it's, it's supposed to serve people. It's designed. It's designed to serve people. Not from a works mentality, but from a love mentality. Did you hear that? Not from a works mentality, but from a love mentality. It's all about relationship. You know, you could probably count maybe on one hand people that you would do anything and everything for no matter what. 
maybe more than one, two, three, four, five people. I dare say it would be 15 or 20. There's a handful of people that you or I would have in our life that we would do anything for. We would go to the nth degree. We would do it. We would do it not because, well, if I do this, they're going to scratch my back too. If I scratch yours, they'll scratch mine. No. There's people in our life that we love so much that we will do anything for them. Is that right? Do you have, does everybody have somebody like that in their life? Okay, just, I guess I'm stretching here, but uh, you should have somebody in your life that you would do anything for, no matter what. And then I thought about that. Why? Why? It's not because of what they can do for you. It's because of the love connection that you're, is so strong that they're suffering, you're suffering. They're in need, that means you're in need. You want them to be blessed, so you'll do everything possible to make sure that happens. That is the heart of God. And he's done that for all of humanity. He's done that for all of humanity. He says, to the nth degree, I've given all. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave. He gave everything so that every single need of your life can be filled. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So John 13, 13, this is the Amplified. He says, you call me teacher, master, and Lord. And you are right in doing so. For what is, for that is what I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher and master, have washed your feet, you ought. It is your duty and you're under obligation. You owe it to wash one another's feet. For I have done, given you this as an example so that you should do in your turn, what I have done to you. Now listen, if you read this from a religious mentality, you're going to get the idea, well, I need to do this. I've got to do this. I have to do this. Verse 16 and 17, the Amplified Version says this, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master and no one who is sent is superior to the one who sent him. If you know these things, Blessed, happy to be envied are you if you practice them, if you act accordingly and really do them. Let me just stop there. If you know these things, what things is he talking about? He's talking about in the previous verses where he said, I'm from God. God and I are one. I know that he loves me. I know where I, where I came from and I know where I'm going to. I know it's all about me and the Father. And because I know the Father, I'm able to do anything and everything to be a blessing to mankind. And it's not work or I have to. It just oozes out of me. Grace oozes out of Jesus. And he's sitting there and he can do anything. He can pray for the sick and they're healed. He can raise their dead because of grace oozing out of him. It's not like, oh, I could have worked this. You know, I used to be like this. This is sad. I used to say, I got to, somebody, we're going to pray for the sick today. Give me a minute. Got to work this up. Really? What are you working up? What are you getting? I mean, like you're going to do something. Like I'm going to do something. I got to get this faith. Got to get this faith going. Got to say the right thing. Got to get this faith going. Honey, it ain't you at all. That's right. That's right. I'd be, I mean, I'd be like putting a tutu on me and try to do a ballerina dance. It ain't going to happen. 
Some of you just got a weird picture. That is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. Why? It's him. I said it's Jesus. It's his anointing. He just did it because that was in him. When you're doing the works of God and Jesus turns around and says, the works that I do, you're going to do greater works than these. You're going to. 1 John 4, 17 says, he as he is, so are you right now. Right now, as Jesus is, so are you. 1 John 4, 17. You, can, you think, wow, how, how can I do that? As we live in God, we love, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus when you get to heaven. When you get to heaven? No. What does it say? Here. Everybody say here. Here. That's Pueblo, Colorado. Or wherever you may be living, watching online. It's wherever you're at. Here is what he's talking about. We live like Jesus. Most religion would say, that's blasphemy. They've not read the Bible, obviously, because that's not my opinion. That's the word of God. He says, I want you to live like me. I want you to live like me. And people go, well, I just can't. That's what you believe. You won't live past your belief. But if you believe the word of God, if you believe what God says about you, he says, I want you to have victory because I've provided victory for you. I want you to walk in health because I have provided health for you. I want you to live in prosperity because I have provided prosperity for you. I have provided all things that pertain to life and to godliness. Jesus says, I have done that for you. So we need to believe that. But Jesus is sitting there giving us the example that you can be a servant to people. You can minister. Actually, the word servant is minister. Jesus wants us to minister to people. Not just, I know a lot of people think, oh, the pastor's supposed to do it all. <laughs> That's wrong. You know what my job is, really? To raise you all up to do the work of the ministry. So this is your job. Aren't you glad you came to church today? But the great news is, You can be like Paul. It's not I that does the work. It is Christ in me. If you're thinking, I have to do this, uh, I better do this, I need to do this, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to be upset. You'll probably be mad at me eventually. It's not about you trying to get it together. It's about understanding the grace and his love. He said, if you know these things, I I don't even think I finished that scripture. If you know these things, Blessed and happy and to be envied. That's John 3, 13, 17. If you know these things, if you know that Christ is in you, that where you, where, where's your origin? I'm created in the image of God. You can be like Jesus saying the same thing. Where's your destination? Well, eventually I'm going to be in heaven with him, living in heaven. But he also understood wherever he went, it was God the Father in him. He says, I only do what I see my Father do. I'm only speaking what I see my, or hear my Father speaking, saying. Christ lives in you. Colossians 1.23 says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in you. What is the purpose of Christ being in you? 
It's not just to get you and me to heaven. Think, if that was the only reason, hallelujah, I would be on the train. But that's not the only reason. It, we're, it's so far short. I was um, shaving uh, with this razor. I've had this razor. Uh, I think it came from Noah, but uh, it's really old. And so, but I just, it, it always did its job. But my son just turned 18, and I don't know how, I think it was Gillette, knew, I'm telling you, they know stuff. <laughs> On his 18th birthday, we get this package in the mail addressed to Joel, and, you know, and it's this razor on the inside. And uh, this morning, I, I thought, I'm going to use that thing. It's called Fusion. I think it was Fusion. It's fancy. The head does, I mean, it's just on the swivel and everything. Mine, it's like, ow. You know, I mean, this one, it's like, wow. And it's got like 400 blades in it or something, you know. It's just unreal. It doesn't even, I thought, this is like high-tech razor. So I used that thing this morning. And uh, can you tell? Anyway, I used that thing this morning. But uh, <laughs> I'm funny to myself. Um, it's just like what Paul said when he was at King Agrippa. He says, I think myself happy. So Paul and me, we're in the same. He just gets happy about himself and he laughs. I do the same thing. But anyway, I'm just trying to be scriptural. But uh, I got a point. Stay focused. All right. I used that thing this morning. And after I'm done, I, it felt like I didn't even shave. So I just kept doing this because I didn't feel like, I told my wife, I said, I used this thing. And I, I did this to her face. I said, it felt like this, just rubbing my soft, cool finger on her skin. She goes, whoa, that felt good. I go, I it did. It felt too good. I thought, it ain't cutting. It is not cutting. And plus, there's no blood. I mean, it ain't cutting. This is the thing. I didn't know that existed. Listen to me. I didn't know something existed that good and that well could do the job. That's where the church is today. We don't know the goodness and the grace and the power that is in us to do any job, to do anything in our life that we may come up against, what battle we need, we are, are facing. You don't understand. We don't know it. Man, God says, you got the tools inside of you. And it can be just like, whoa, doesn't even feel like it's working. It? This is not working. It's just too smooth. It's just, it's not supposed to be that smooth. Oh, I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> benefits. The benefits of doing this. Of knowing, he says, if you know these things, I believe most of us don't know exactly what he's saying here. If you know these things, blessed, happy, and he said, people will envy you. People will envy you. And it's not because you look like Brad Pitt or Angelina Jolie. I mean, it's because they're, they're envying you because of your life. Something far greater than looks. They're going to see that you have victory, that you have favor, that you have the goodness of God just oozing out of everything that you do. They're going to see this. Why are they going to see this? Because you know some things that they don't. Even in the church world, there's some church people that know some things that other church people don't know. And so they don't feel blessed. And they don't, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just barely getting mine. I'm just out of that. You don't know. You don't know. 
But he said, if you do know these things, if you know your origin, where you came from, I'm a child of God. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I've been made the head and not the tail. Oh, I'm above and never beneath. Whatever I set my hand to, it will prosper. It's not a matter of if it will. It's a matter of when it will because it's going to prosper. It's going to. But what do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe that that is in you? The capability, the ability of Almighty God is in you. It's not Mike Davis. It's not my intellect. It's not my gifting. It's not my skill level. It's him. And when I trust him and rely upon him and I know my origin came from him and that he loves me and gave everything for me and the grace of Almighty God is in every part of my DNA. My DNA screams out, I am a child of the Most High God. Woo! If you know these things, blessed, happy, and to be envied are you. If you practice them, what does that mean? You got to believe in it. And if you believe in it, that's why I serve God. It's not because, oh, if I don't serve God, he'll probably run me over the Mack truck. When I was in the Air Force, my mom was really nervous and scared and worried when she found out what I was going to be doing. She says, he's going to be doing what? I've refueled airplanes up in the air. One plane here, one plane there, in, pros- in close proximity, really close together. Oh, I'm out of time. You want to hear the story or you want to go? If you don't want to hear it, you can leave. But anyway, because um, I'm going to tell it. But... Uh, my mom was just scared, and my brother-in-law said this to her. He said, Mom, if that plane blew up, God is in Mike, and he'd walk right out of it. Amen. Then he told one of my sisters, she was really scared and nervous too, because she says, oh, that is so scary that he, he, he refuels planes up in the air. And then my brother-in-law said, yeah, he has to shimmy down. That pole that has two wings on it that he's flying, he has to shimmy down that and take the gas cap off the plane <laughs> and then climb back up and get back in the plane. And my sister goes, ah! and, and then you have to know my brother-in-law. He says, he has a parachute on. I didn't do that. Anyway. But it's... You, we have to realize that there's no reason to fear. There's no reason. There's no work or effort in our part except for the believing part. Now, let me just be clear. When you say, oh, so we don't have to do anything. That's the same mentality that Paul preached to the Romans when they said, oh, so grace covers all of our sins, so we can just sin. What did he say to them? God forbid. You don't understand grace. If you're asking that question, you don't understand grace. If you're saying, I don't have to do anything, you don't understand grace. Grace flows out of you to do. Grace flows out of you to do. It doesn't stay inside of you so you can be fat and lazy. I don't have to do anything. God did it all. I'm so glad I go to this church. I just found out God did it all and I don't have to do anything. As far as the doing part, Jesus did it. Now he's given us grace. So that we can live like him. 
And what did Jesus do? He went about doing all. He says the Bible in Acts 10.38, how God anointed, anointed, graced, empowered Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. How did he do it? Went in his own strength. It was God in him. It was God in him. It's just like putting this coat on. This coat outside of me is not alive, can do nothing. If I throw that coat there, jump, coat. Come on. Come on, coat. Come on. That's you and me. But when we become one with Jesus, mm, when Jesus lifts his hand, I lift. When I lay my hands on sick people to pray for them, it's not my hands. When I speak and say that the Lord tells me to say something to you, it's not my voice. Oh, it's not my hands, not my voice, not my doing, not my power. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Just like this coat, this coat is alive today because of me. We are alive today because of him. Because of him, because of him, because of him. Let's stand.